Uh, all right, guys. So we are we're going to kick off pretty soon. Uh, we just hit uh, time uh, 4 p.m. Eastern uh, on my clock. Um, so I would like to take this opportunity to introduce the call for Community Matters for transition time. So we're talking about um, the transition town movement, and we're joined by Carolyn Staten and Shauna Strubey. Uh, Strubey, my apologies. Right. Um, and uh, I'm just going to give a little introduction on the protocols for the call today. We have an hour for a, a really uh, great conversation. We want this to be really informal, and we would love for you guys to chime in. Um, for that reason, we have a Google Doc that everyone should be able to access, and we use that for people to take notes in. Um, so please jump onto that document and um, share any great resources you have, anything that comes up in the conversation that you think people should see or be aware of, any great case studies or examples of great projects that you know of. Um, we also use this for questions. So if you have anything that springs to mind, uh, what we do is ask you to stay on mute because we have quite a, num a number of people on the call. Uh, we don't want to uh, drag each other out. So uh, I'd ask you to put yourself on mute when you jump on online and um, use this document to write any questions you have and put your name at the end. And you can see a bunch of examples in there already. And I'll use that to moderate uh, questions out and ask you to take yourself off mute and ask your question. And then Carolyn and Shauna can, can have a chat with you. And then if anyone has great stuff to add, then um, then we'll have a, a really great conversation. So um, if that makes sense to everybody, um, then we, we will get started. And uh, I would like to introduce Carolyn to um, talk to us a little bit about her work. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you for to all the other people joining the call today. Um, I think this is an incredibly exciting moment in time. Um, we're sort of at the edge of of one thing and the beginning of a whole other thing. And to me, it feels like an incredibly intense initiation into what we will become. And the transition movement, for those of you that that uh, that don't know, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about that, and not for very long. And I know that there are people on the call that do know about transition, and uh, uh, and. It's uh, so different in different places. I'll be really interested to, to hear from, from you and what you're up to, etc. But uh, the transition movement, it's a collection of towns, villages, cities, islands, districts, um, implementing a community-led response to the pressures of climate change, fossil fuel depletion, and other resources that are depleting, and the increasing economic contraction. And we call this community-led work uh, transition towns or transition initiatives. And they begin with answering a, a question. And that question is, how can we make our community stronger and happier as we deal with the impacts of peak oil, economic contraction, while at the same time urgently reducing our fossil fuel our, uh, our CO2 emissions. So, you know, how do we how do we move forward and make decisions? Really looking from from that big picture, um, so that we're making solutions that really matter and uh, really can make significant impacts. So it, it starts with a small collection of people that are motivated by this. It's uh, generally folks that are are just in their communities wanting to do something and feeling like they, they're not seeing enough action on uh, by policymakers or in other groups that they're involved with. So they just want to really secure the future for themselves and for their children. So they want to get, get moving on things. So they come together and then they organize around three phases. The first is uh, is doing some awareness raising and bringing lectures and films and um, maybe some open space events or community asset mapping events into their community so that people start to uh, get on the same page of uh, sort of the current 
current events in terms of resource depletion as well as climate change, as well as in some places there's uh, droughts um, on the horizon, like where I am in, in California. And I mean, there's just there's some big changes. So it's 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 galvanizing. It's getting the community aware um, and talking about these things and and meeting and and getting together. So that's sort of the first stage. And then as the group gets larger, it self-organizes, it self-organizes into groups around key areas of, of interest such as food, energy, transportation, housing, and many places, water, and initiates uh, practical projects um, to, to really address those, those key areas. So, it, for example, it might, with uh, looking at the, a food group, might do an asset map of all of the food sources that serve that population, or they might do a study of um, can this area feed itself? Does it have enough land and water and resources to do that? In the event that that's really, you know, the, the track that will that we might want to take in this place. And uh, then it also begins doing some practical on-the-ground projects, like uh, where I live, we have a, a seed-saving garden, we have a community garden that is up and running. In other places, there's some pretty grand scales. There's community-owned farms at this point, and um, you know, lots of, of sort of arable land being put into food production. And third, the third third stage is really looking at a whole energy descent plan for this locale that, that we each live in and pulling together all of the work that the working groups have done and really building a, a plan that could be implemented to actually reduce our fossil fuel consumption. Um, some of the things that are looked at as well are obviously the, the whole economic fabric needs to be looked at and so might we start local energy companies, social enterprises, complementary currency systems, that sort of thing. So right now, there are transition initiatives all over the world in 34 countries. And in the U.S., there are 90 official transition initiatives in 27 states, and at least three times that significant groups that are doing this work that sort of haven't put their stake in the ground and determined that they'll, they're, they're here to, to really make this happen in a place. We call those mulling groups, but there's at least three to every one official transition initiative. Um, there's three to one uh, mulling groups doing significant work. And Transition U.S. is the national hub of the transition network. And its mission is to inspire, encourage, support, network, and train individuals. Sorry, Carolyn, can I just jump in? Um, when you join the call, if you could put yourself on mute, that would be great. Uh, whoever just joined, you're kind of drowning everyone out. Thank you. Yeah, take it away. All right, and, and I'm I'm just about complete with this overview. Um, so our, our mission is to inspire, encourage, support, network, and train individuals and their communities as they adopt, adapt, and implement the transition model and approach to community empowerment and action. And I went through sort of what, what the overarching model entails for those three phases. And we don't know if this will work. Um, transition is a social exper experiment on a massive scale. And the founder, Rob Hopkins, came up with a beautiful quote <laughs> that uh, is, is called the cheerful disclaimer. And it's, uh, what we are convinced of is this. If we wait for governments, it'll be too little, too late. If we act as individuals, it'll be too little. But if we act as communities, it might be enough just in time. So that's sort of what the transition uh, movement is pinned on is that if we act as communities, it might be enough and it might be just in time. And we're very hopeful. It's a positive expression. People are very creative. It looks different every place that it emerges. 
and there's just ample opportunities and pathways for people to bring their incredible genius and creativity to the fore to make something remarkable happen in their place. Um, it's colorful, it's uh, festive in a lot of ways, it's hardworking, and there's a lot of visible manifestations along the way. So that's that's sort of it in the in the nutshell form. And back over to you, Bonnie. Thank you. That was wonderful, Carolyn. That's uh, a really great overview and um, and really inspiring. Uh, Shauna, do you want to give us a little background on on how you approach this and and what your experience is? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. Um, Transition OKC was founded in May of 2009. We were the uh, 27th official transition initiative um, in the United States, and we decided that even though we're in the heart of oil and gas country, that um, there were enough of us that were interested in doing this that it was it was worth it and. And it has been. It's been uh, an incredible experience. I told my co-chair um, a couple of months ago that it has been one of the most fulfilling um, two and a half, three years of my life. So it's been pretty exciting. And we we chose to um, – we were a little shaky when we got started. We weren't sure what we were doing. We had, you know, two of us, and then we had five of us, and then we had ten of us, and – we had um, both Christine, my my co-chair, and I had read the transition handbook, but others had not. And so for a while, we probably spent, I would say, a good six months to a year just trying to figure out exactly how we wanted to implement the framework because once you read the transition handbook, you realize that Rob intentionally, um, I believe, left it very much open to interpretation. And so... Everybody kind of gets to do their own thing within using this, this framework, and that has a number of advantages. Um, but if you're not sure exactly what you want to do or, you're, or you don't have a mission, some stated goals in mind, um, that can make it a little shaky. So we, um, you know, we're a little shaky at first. We started doing some creating awareness right away, and then... Really, by the end of that first year, we had uh, set in place some guidelines. We took the time to um, do a book discussion group on the transition handbook with all of those who were interested. We set some healthy boundaries about who who could be, you know, who could come to our meetings because we were in this constant evolving door of having new people come to every meeting and then we could never get anything done because we were always stopping and having to explain to them what the transition model was. So we finally set that organizing group, that initiating group, and and said this is the group that's going to meet. We're not going to have the revolving door and we'll, everybody's welcome and we'll have other groups that will form and work and that's what's happened. So um, we settled on really trying to have a specific vision, mission, and objectives. And that was a very useful process. Um, We had a facilitator that worked with us on that. And at the end of that time, it was like, okay, now we have a roadmap for where we want to go. And this was post-book discussion. And so between that time, which was about, uh, I guess, a year ago when we finished that, and now we've done a host of events. We have couple of working groups. Um, we have an event this week, for instance. We have some young filmmakers who are, they made a film, a documentary called YERT, um, which is, stands for Your Environmental Work Road Trip, and it just won a film festival award at um, the Yale Environmental Film Festival, and it's, it's um, screening here as part of a film festival called Dead Center. And so we're doing a meet and greet with the director, producer, and <clears throat> creating some buzz about it through Facebook and our website and blogs and lists or email lists. So um, there are lots of different things we're doing. I could, you know, talk more about those, and I do have some tips that I can share at some point, but I don't want to talk on too long. So I'll kind of cap it right there and open it back up. Awesome. Thanks, Shauna. That's uh, that's a really great overview. 
So um, everything I'm hearing uh, really seems to focus on this idea of bringing people together around a collective vision. Would you guys agree? Yes. Absolutely. Great. So um, why don't why don't we dig into some of these questions here? And there's there's a great one here around um, you know if you if you guys could talk a little more about how you you really start to catalyze that process. How do you start to bring people together um, to organize that collective vision for change? What are some of the the things that you've done? And and then maybe we can ask a few more people on the call about some of the the tips and tricks and, and processes they've used to bring people together to start thinking about changing the way the community operates. Well, Carolyn, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'd like to, to start with that. I'm also, um, as well as Executive Director of Transition US, I am in uh, my local transition initiative, uh, Transition Sebastopol, and help get that off the ground. And it's uh, it's almost three years old, so it's you know, it's got some significant growth now. But one of the early things that, that we did is we did a community asset mapping event. It wasn't the very first thing. I think one of our, uh, we had uh, a film, we had a, a lecture with Richard Heinberg, who lives in our area, who I used to work with at New College um, and got my peak oil awareness from his great work. Um, but we had a community asset map mapping event fairly early on, and we invited as many groups as we we knew uh, within the community. And I think there were almost 300 people came. Um, and we had butcher paper all along one wall. We had a great facilitator. We had a graphic artist. And uh, people called out what we have in our community, and she made a beautiful picture of what we have. And then part of the process is, well, what's missing? So there was a process of determining what's missing. And then with what's missing, uh, we further broke it down into topic areas. So like what's missing in our local food security, what's missing in our education, what's missing in our transportation. Carolyn, can you, um, just for, for people that might not be aware, can you explain what a community asset might be? Um, well, the, the assets of, uh, you know, what, what we have in our community um, around food, for example, it might be uh, people might uh, offer a number of local farms um, around the area, um, purveyors of food, restaurants, um, sort of everything around local food might get uh, shouted out. Um, any transporting of food or processing of food or, uh, you know, all of that, that would be um, an asset or assets around food, for example. And um, so then people were further invited to go to uh, to the butcher paper areas on those topics and further fill it out and further list and further refine what we have and what we don't have. And we did several iterations of this. Uh, like, for example, we did that big meeting, and then we held another meeting because there were obviously people that found out about it that hadn't come to the first one. And So we, we created a, a community asset map, and that's one good way to sort of get a baseline of your community. And from there, there's you know opportunities to then lead the community through more of a visioning process of, well, what would you like, you know, now that you know all this and you also have this awareness around the conditions of climate change and and resource depletion, what would you like your community to look like and, and, and enter help people uh, enter into a visioning process, which was sort of a third meeting in sort of that series. So that, that's what we did, and it's not uncommon, that sort of thing within the transition group. But uh, Shauna, maybe you have other other things that you've done there. Well, what we we started out first of all. We had we do have some sustainable some sustainable groups that were already in place, and so but most of those are focused in a in a more generic way on sustainability. And if you've read the Transition Handbook or read anything about the movement, you you you'll know that that. Um, 
the focus here is more on preparing um, for changes associated with climate change and with peak oil and with economic instability. So we, it, it really kind of drills sustainability as a part of that, but it's also on community resilience and really focusing on, you know, how can we help our communities come together? And because we are a large metropolitan area um, with more than half a million people in Oklahoma City proper and then a million people or more more than a million people in the in the metro area, we were trying to figure out how to do this. In some ways, the transition model works very well for a small community. So we started out first by reaching out to the sustainable organizations or or other or any organization really that was working on community building or sustainability, and letting them know what we were doing, engaging interest in in um, being and collaborating with us, and um, so kind of put our initiating group together from from that standpoint. Then we started the process of doing um, things like transition retreats or discovered transition, where we would um, do visioning exercises, some of them from the transition handbook, and. So it was more of really giving permission, people permission or a space for people to do something they're not asked to do very often or they don't get to do very often, which is begin to imagine what they would like to have their community be like if they could, if they, if they had the power to do so. So giving that, them that, that power, empowering them, helping them envision it, creating, laying a lot of foundations by reaching out to different groups and saying, here are the issues we're working on. And we we focused on and continue to focus on the word catalyst because the other thing is that I think if it's very easy to feel overwhelmed and like, I'm not going to make any difference in this, in this huge city. I'm only one person. We're only 10 people. How can we possibly make a difference? So by focusing on being a catalyst, that means, and and Rob talks about this in the book, you do not have to do all the work. Your goal is to, or our goal, for instance, with our group, is to help people begin to think about ways that they can be more resilient, to have workshops. And if they go off and do that on their own with with another group of people, that's great. We've done, then we have done our work. And that's really what we've seen happening. For instance, one of the very first events that we held was permablitz. For those of you who may not be familiar with the permablitz, it's where a group of people come together and they may do this on someone's um, lawn, of course with their permission, somebody that wants this to happen, or at a park and you take a certain amount of land and you convert it from Bermuda grass or some other type of lawn to a food producing area or uh, food-producing pollinator area using some of the principles of permaculture. So we did that with our co-chair, organized it. Our, uh, my co-partner in this, uh, Christine Patton, organized this, and we did a permablitz on a strip of her lawn. We had probably, I want to say, 15 or 20 people. And then put that on our website. Well, some of the people that were there or read about it said, well, I'd like to have one of the women read about it uh, that's kind of in the sustainable uh, community here, and she said, well, I'd like to have that done on my lawn. So a few months later, we had that. We did the same thing in her backyard, and it was a very a different group, another set of 30 people. Well, then those 30 people, you know, are going to do the same thing on their lawns. They may do, they may catalyze in that way. So it's really kind of creating that ripple effect. Um, the other thing that we focus on is being a connector. So one of the things that had had not happened until just this year was that all of the various groups and people that are working on local food issues in the Oklahoma central Oklahoma area had never really gotten together in one room. So we had a food co-op, we had restaurants that are serving local food, we have several government organizations, we have a, a group that's focused on getting healthier food into schools, we had our various sustainable um, sustainability groups, but they never really got together to talk about how do we catalyze, how do we take 
the local food movement to the next level. So Transition OKC hosted a local food meet and greet just for that purpose. And we had 110 people come, and people were just ecstatic with the fact that they were able to be in all in one room. And we did um, speed a form of speed dating. <laughs> it was a speed meeting, so everybody had a chance with, to to increase that circulation. So we didn't just um, just dissolve into clicks, which often tends to happen when you have meet and greet. So. It was people loved it, and they're they're pumped and want us to have, hold another event. We're talking about doing a um, a big open space day on local food, where we'll really brainstorm how we take this to the next level and begin to strategize together. So those are just some examples of how we um, evolve that vision and serve as a catalyst. That's amazing, Shauna. There are some really really spectacular ideas there, really creative projects that you guys have implemented. Um, I've been looking through the document here, and uh, Wendy, if you're on the call, do you want to talk a little about the stuff you're doing with Green Map System in New York? Uh, it sounds like you guys are also doing some really, really great things, if you want to talk us through some of the stuff you're involved in. Yeah, thank you. Um, hi. Um, we're based here in New York. This is Green Map System, and our tools and... Um, uh, interactive mapping platform, our iconography, are now being used in about 750 different communities in 55 countries. So we've been around since 95. So um, working and growing together to do so many things in parallel with what you're doing, the same kind of um, getting people together to talk about what do we have, what do we need, where are we going, how do we have this conversation with people from um, the city itself, companies, from uh, the universities, trying to get the, the mix going. Green maps have, because they're all locally made, like transition towns, they have their own trajectory and um, purpose. So a group may say, oh, we want to create a map to support um, youth and families spending more time outdoors together. or they may say, we want to promote composting. This is one of the things we did in New York. Um, our, we've now published three editions of the composting green map of Manhattan, working with Lower East Side Ecology Center. It's helped to triple the amount of compostables being dropped off at their site. And um, we now have an interactive version of it on the open green map, which is a Google map-based platform that merges um, local knowledge um, and green map icons and, of course, Google Maps ease of use um, so that people can very quickly create and share maps at very little cost. Every site on the map is open to public interaction if the map maker wants it to be, so people can come and add videos, photos, PDFs, comments, ratings, and you know, uh, complete the story about the site and show how it's evolved over time. So today there's about 17,000 sites on that map, and it's really 200 separate maps because everything is locally um, generated. So um, is there something specific I could answer, perhaps? That sounds great, Wendy. There's actually a, a question here from Jim. Jim, are you on the line um, that talks about dealing with geographic scope. It sounds like maybe you guys should uh, should have a, a chat. Jim, do you want to ask Wendy a question? Sure. I have uh, several questions on there, but um, I guess the first one would probably be uh, uh, our group has been around for two or three years, um, and it's a grassroots volunteer organization, and we're looking to, uh, to expand to uh, a 501c3, which is a not-for-profit federally recognized tax-deductible donations and all. Um, we are wondering if if uh, if if that's uh, I have my doubts that uh, going after funds is sustainable in its own right. And um, however, I'm seeking more uh, more guidance from other organizations or, or from Transitions US to see if uh, if we're going to lose our autonomy if we became an initiative under um, Transition US. I thought so that's, that's 
probably more of a question for, for Carolyn rather than Wendy, but we'll come back to the question around geography and this, this idea of mapping. But Carolyn, do you want to handle that? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think you'd, you'd lose your autonomy. You don't need to change your name. You don't need to wear a fancy dress or <laughs> put on these <laughs> shoes. Um, uh, no, uh, actually, I think it helps broaden an existing organization. It is it is a bit of a shift, though. Um, you wouldn't be doing things exactly the same way because the transition work really invites broad uh, community involvement and also community decision making. Um, usually, organizations, you know, they have the executive director and the board, etc. So there's you know, there's something a little different. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting and not unsurmountable um, sort of razor's edge to additionally have a project that uh, really does invite that broad community participation. I think that's what uh, your group did, I believe, in Oklahoma City, Sean. I think the transition group or work is a project of uh, an existing nonprofit organization. Yes, it is. We're a program of Sustainable OKC, and it's worked out so far very well because that's freed us up to not have to worry uh, so much about funding, and um, it's freed us because the, the 501c3 process is not impossible but it's time-consuming, so we've been able to focus on on boots-on-the-ground, practical projects that really are reaching out to people and not be so much involved with, well, we got the paperwork in order, have we done our tax, you know, form, have we, is, what's the status of the bank account, um, that kind of go-to-board meeting. Um, the, the other thing that I think Carolyn touched on is that the way that a, and, and I can't speak for every transition group, but the way that we organized, we uh, set up our own constitution and also a set of guidelines, which we used a great document that Transition U.S. has on its website, a toolkit. I can't remember the name of the toolkit, Carolyn, but maybe you can help me with that. Yes, yeah, um, governance, governance toolkit. I yes, guess. the governance toolkit. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> it really yeah. is a wonderful document. We just just tweaked it only slightly for our use, um, but it sets up decision making. But we don't have a president. We have we have a couple of co-chairs um, just to kind of handle some administrative stuff. But it's very much group led, and the people who are on our coordinating team um, are very self motivated, and so we don't we don't have to spend a lot of time. Asking permission. There's, we try to be as flat and non-hierarchical as possible. So if somebody has an idea and they want to take chart, you know, run with it, they pretty much do. And they may run it by and say, "Hey, what do you think about having a screening and a potluck of Greenhorns the movie, which we're getting ready to do in a in a couple of weeks, and we're having it at an art gallery." And but one of our transition team members just said, "You know, I saw the, a little." Uh, trailer of this film, and it's all about the the young generation of farmers coming in. That's something she's really interested in. And so she said, what do you think about having a screening and potluck? And we were like, great. So she took off and she organized it, and we just support her. So, But we have that kind of, of initiative, I guess, going on um, without trying to create, create barriers or layers of bureaucracy. Um, so it sounds to me like the, the transition movement is partly formed as an excuse to throw really fun parties. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> you got it. That's, that's, yeah. that's what it's all that's, about. That is. That's very true. So, um, so guys, it, uh, there's, there's a really great conversation in the doc from Jim. Um, I know you're involved in this, talking about some of the challenges you have around burnout in uh, some of your leadership and kind of maintaining um, engagement and really trying to work out how to delegate and train with new people coming into the, the movement. Um, 
do you do you guys want to talk a little about that? You're kind of touching on it now around this idea of keeping a very flat structure and empowering people to act on on new ideas. But do you want to talk about this challenge around uh, burnout and attrition in volunteers? I guess I, I this is Caroline. I, I think I might be seeing it somewhat differently because you know transitions new. It's got a lot of buzz. Um, people haven't been in the saddle a long time, so there's not there's not as much of, of what Jim's bringing up in the movement at this point in time. But I, I do know that. I do definitely know that from work I've done in the past and et cetera. But I think um, I think what transition does and is helpful is it keeps creating more and more pathways for new leaders to emerge. And it's not a perfect system or process, and it's not always easy. Um, but there just always seems to be amazing new leaders uh, popping up within the movement. It, and also, we we really do. I see you, you you mentioned sort of training as well, and we do try to provide skills training through webinars, although that can only go so far. And we do have a group of trainers. We have 26 trainers across the U.S. And we're just about to implement advanced training for leaders, um, you know, different modules on facilitation and group process and conflict resolution and all that sort of thing. How can people access those? Well, we haven't we haven't uh, rolled out the advanced training. We'll probably be doing that in the, by the fall. And that'll all be on our website as well. Um, but the webinars, uh, the advanced training that I'm, I'm speaking of right then was on-site trainings for, for initiative leaders. Um, but what we do have and free to download are our webinars. And you'll see uh, our webinars, you know, you'll see our skills build <laughs> in terms of giving webinars. But... Um, we have some webinars on group process and decision making and networking and conflict resolution and various things and people are um, welcome to partake of those and I think we'll be sort of going around and do fresh iterations of, of a lot of those topics in the in the next coming months. Fantastic. It seems to me like you guys utilize quite a lot of uh, technology-based tools to engage people and connect your communities. I know, uh, Shauna, you mentioned using listservs and uh, a Facebook group. And it, I, Jim, I've, I see your question here around a social networking uh, tool here. Is there anything that, that people would like to contribute in terms of experiences they've had around using some of these tools to engage people? Jim, you, you mentioned that you've had some experience with Ning. Do you want to talk about that? Who, who are you addressing? Uh, Jim, Zach, if you're still on the line. He may have jumped off. I, I, I'd like to address that just to mention. We started out with Ning, and I think that what we found was that it it's not in the mainstream. So... You're, it's an insular kind of, almost an insular experience. So when we moved to Facebook, we had a big change. And we have, I think, almost 400 people um, um, that follow our Facebook page now, um, with our sponsor having over 500 people together. I know there's some duplication there, but there's also, you know, some different groups and we have some other groups that we're connected to that then share our events. So it again you get that if you're in that mainstream, if you're in Twitter, if you're on Facebook, then you begin to get that kind of ripple effect going. And so you guys are using Facebook, you're using Twitter as well? Yes we are. Yes and, we, uh, are. we are as well in, in everyone's the... using Twitter? No, I d I don't think so. I don't think there's any uh, you know, across across all platforms, agreement. People are using different things. I think um, 
Again, my group in Transition Sebastopol just really relies on emails. We've got about 800 on their email, regular email list. And that's how they choose to communicate. Um, and other groups, transition groups, do use the Ning platform. Others use Facebook. And, you know, I mean, it's really a number of things. And I think it's partly uh, the initiating group and their preferences or what they find works for them. And, um, you know, just kind of goes from there. Well, and it kind of, too, I think depends on, um, for instance, we have our own, we have a, an email distribution list for our transition team. And so we use that to communicate about our our transition initiative business. And then the Facebook is really focused on dialoguing with the public and, you know, getting the word out. So it's more of a marketing tool. How about, I'm seeing a great comment here from Josh Arnold. Are you still on the line from New Hampshire? Um, do you want to talk a little about some of the stuff you're doing? It looks like you've got a great website going and um, are doing some, some really great work there with Gala. Yep. <clears throat> Hi, I'm still here. And, um, yeah, thanks. It's, it's, this is really wonderful. I've been sort of following the transition movement for a long time and, um, you know, early on when I founded um, Dala back in 2006, was certainly inspired by the transition movement, didn't really know at that time. I don't think the transition U.S. was as, um, didn't have as much of a presence as it does now, but um, there's always been sort of a parallel trajectory, and we're at this place where, um, you know, we've really um, galvanized a lot of people and generated a lot of momentum um, through Gala in a very uh, similar fashion of building local resiliency and celebrating sustainability and empowering people to um, take action in, in those areas. Um, and so my question on the on the doc was just um, asking if there was any advice, you know, for an organization in our position of, of a way to sort of tap into and partner with the transition movement. I think it was similar to Jim's question without sort of losing the, the branding that we have or, or confusing our, you know, constituents and um and if that if a rebranding is even necessary and and where to go from here, how to connect. I'd like to, to respond to this is Caroline and uh that's that's a good question and I don't think we have a perfect answer. Um you know I I, I for for us, we're uh, the Transition U.S. staff. We're, we're pretty small. There's, there's volunteers involved, and then of course there's all the initiatives, and they're focused really on their locale. But I think in terms of, um, you know, if if your organization is in in a place rather than it being a, a statewide organization or a national organization, um, you know, try to connect with your local uh, transition groups if there are some and uh, do a project together um, you know ask ask them to participate in something you're doing and participate in something they're doing um, that's what we've seen on a national level and that seems to work well we just did the 350 home and garden challenge mm -hmm. where on a, on a single weekend we you know, wanted as many actions as possible uh, from participants to save energy, plant a garden, change a leaking faucet, change your light bulbs, put in a gray water system, etc. And we had over 1,500 actions nationally that were registered. But we had we, you know, we worked with a number of partners that got the word out, and um, and we'll be doing. You know various things like that. So I think that's that's one way of 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 kind of linking arms and just doing things uh, doing things together. And um, if you get some good ideas <laughs> about um, you know better ways of I think I think it's one of the transition steps is honoring our elders. And I mm -hmm. I see that. Um, you know, a lot of what transition is is standing on is is the shoulders of the great work done by so many organizations in this country and around the world. So how, you know, what is that way of, yes, this group doesn't want to become a transition initiative. It's doing this.
great work right right there. So how, you know, what is that relationship, and and how do we how do we honor honor that and say, you know, and just um, you know, creating sort of this community of allies. I think is is what it is, and I think we're we're sort of old enough. <laughs> three years old to uh, you know pay more attention try to figure that out so if you have any really good ideas I'm completely open to you know what that is because you're asking an extraordinarily uh, you know legitimate and and necessary question and I and I don't know the answer but uh, there is one (laughs) Carol can I interject um, Go ahead. I'm, I'm Dale, and I'm from Blanford, Massachusetts. And one of the things that we started doing after Community Matters was to, with our elderly, is to interview them, to take a picture of them, and to take um, just a little bit out of the interview and put it into the newspaper and have people guess who it is. And then when they wanted to know who it was, they could go to our country store and read the article and see the picture of the person. And that just kind of brings back the elderly in the town so that they know more about who's, who brought this town together. Mm. That's a lovely That's a idea. wonderful, wonderful idea. Do you, uh, do you have any links that you can send us for that, Phil? Um, I actually, I haven't created one. I've just done it summing group which was represented at Community Matters so that just a friend of friend and myself have gone out to four or five different elderly in town since then and um and interviewed them, take taken pictures, put it into our little community store and um, you know, trying to get more people into the community store. Um we did have one um trouble with that was that people initially the first time thought the person had died, and we had to change that around, so we did a young person the next time, and then we did an elderly person the next time, and now that people know we're doing it, it's not as treacherous as that first time was. Not as traumatic. But uh, I think the people kind of look forward to it now. That's a lovely way to bring people's stories back into the community. Uh, I want to make from sure. Community Matters. That's wonderful. I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that. Um, there's one. There's one more question here uh, that I want to make sure we get to. Jude, are you still on the line? Um, uh, you have a really great question here around um, yes, looking I'm, for strategies around buy-in. Do you want to talk to that? I think that's a, a huge challenge that would be great to hear from everyone about. Um, yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, definitely. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, Yes, we're involved with a number of initiatives here, um, uh, local foods, local energy, um, and also uh, uh, using arts and culture to uh, spur initiatives uh, between and links between the business community uh, and and, um, and local downtown and, and arts and culture and community. Um, and... Um, we we've been working to engage it's a very conservative base and we've been working to to engage them on a number of fronts um but um there's it's it's a, often a struggle and i'm 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 just um i'm wondering if there are are ways that have uh, or strategies that have been used in other communities to to uh, to kind of bridge some of these um to, to bridge some of the differences Does uh, Carolyn or Shauna, do you want to take a first crack at that? I'd be willing to, this is Shauna, I'd be willing to say something, a little bit about that because we live in a very, Oklahoma City is a very conservative area and um, we have, we are having some success with building bridges to our local government. Um, We, um, especially with our local city council person that's actually in the ward where many of us live. Um, And, but by no means is it, are we, have we, have we conquered or or if you want to use that word. But just, we have tried very, uh, we've been very thoughtful, I guess is the right word, about how we frame what we're doing. And, 
I'm going to go back to the building, the mission. Our mission is building community resilience. So when we send out a press release, we include, you know, our our mission is to be a catalyst for Oklahoma City's transition to local resiliency. Um, our vision is local communities meeting their needs in a resilient, healthy, and sustainable way. So there are very few people, I think, that would have that would find that divisive. So we look for ways of being in the community that and, and organizing around events and projects and programs that are uniting people rather than creating division. So, and we we emphasize that we're nonpartisan. Um, we emphasize that you know we're working on when we talk about the issues. Sometimes climate change is a bit divisive. So, what we'll say if we're talking about that issue is we don't have to all agree on that. But what we can agree on is that we all want you know clean air. I mean, very few people would say, well, no, I don't care about the air, whether it's you know dirty or not. So. It's that we use that kind of way to, or that kind of approach to working with people who might not share the same opinions on issues that we do, but would be willing to work on a community, on community, building community. So far, that's been successful. I have a comment or two, this Caroline, if I may. Go ahead, Carolyn, and then uh, and then we're going to wrap up. Uh, okay. Um, I think with what I'm noticing with the transition initiatives, when they do create a lot of visible manifestations, you know, like Shauna was saying, uh, you know, parks turned into food gardens, um, as has been the case in a number of, of places uh, across the U.S. with the transition work, or... Um, you know, seed-saving gardens or seed-saving libraries that are in conjunction with the public libraries, This is the case in uh, San Francisco and Richmond, California, um, done by the transition groups. And it's, it, well, there's, when there's more and more of those sort of visible manifestations, it, I find that uh, government folks are coming to the transition groups and asking them to participate and, you know, again, being on a commission or... Uh, participating in a planning process with the cities or towns, or in the case of Hohenwald, Texas, they made a proclamation that they are, in fact, a transition town. So, you know, I think, um, you know, the the government with the budget cuts that are happening are really seeking to have local involvement. And they seem to be coming to to these groups and and asking, you know, and 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 uh, folding them into things as well. So that's that's a strategy is, you know, creating a lot of or visible manifestations and uh and uh you know being being showy about it. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thanks, John. So guys, uh we're getting close to the end of the call. We usually like to spend the last ten minutes or so uh, going through some some kind of core takeaways and key actions that people can take after this call. Carolyn, do you want to kick us off? I know um, there have been some really great examples of projects that you and Shauna and, and everyone on the call have been involved in. Uh, I'd love to get some of those into the Google Doc from the stories about the, the elderly in the community to this uh, blitz garden. From a blitz. <laughs> Yeah, um, if if you could go through maybe and give us your top three things that people could do right after this call next week or in six months, what do you what do you think that would be? Uh, well, I think one of the, the things that's popular right now is bringing chickens back, and a lot of places, uh, transition Los Angeles just got the ordinance changed, uh, so they, they're bringing chickens back. And um, I think, Shawnee, you were mentioning, too, chickens are coming back into Oklahoma City. Not yet. Oh, not, not yet. We're hoping. Um, but, 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 <laughs> yeah, go ahead. But, but ordinances, you know, that's one of the things people are getting the ordinances changed to bring that back. Um, you can put up clotheslines and encourage everybody to, to do things like that. And, uh, again, um, turning here uh, and in, in other areas, in Denver as well, they, they dug up the um, 
civic center lawn and made it into a garden, um, community garden. So there's, uh, you know, that's really showy, <laughs> and that really makes a statement. Um, in the fall, we'll be doing a harvest share um, event, or not event, it'll be a month long where, where people can register pounds of food that they're sharing, either with food banks or with um, soup kitchens or neighbors or whatever. So... Um, that's another thing, um, and the seed the seed saving libraries, uh, seed libraries in the public libraries, San Francisco Public Library just loves it. And what people do is they um, they deposit their seeds in the spring, or they they excuse me, they check out their seeds in the spring. They grow, they harvest, and they bring seeds back and check them in in the fall. And uh, master gardeners are leaving tips on how to grow all these things, and that's again with the public library. That's amazing. Is there a link to that that people can access online? Um, they're just putting it in sort of a package, so it'll be uh, on our website when that, when I actually get that, and and we'll we'll um, put that up. Fantastic. And with the uh, registering the pounds of food, is there anything that people can access online to check that out? Not for about another few weeks, but um, we'll, we'll be doing that, and it'll, it'll likely be for the whole month of October. Fantastic. So we're getting a sneak peek into amazing <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Shauna, do you, uh, do you want to give us your, your top three things that people could do right after this call, what they could get involved with, or actions they could take themselves? Yes. Um Reskilling is one of the um, transition ingredients, and reskilling is basically recovering knowledge and um, about how we can be take better care of ourselves, either health-wise or with food or transportation or just a whole range of different things. So, a reskilling workshop. One of the biggest, I guess, most popular things is how to can food. And for instance, we've we've had one of those here where we had um, one of the, our team members organized uh, hired a woman who's uh, or, or paid her. She just you know ten dollars or so. I can't remember now, but it was a very small amount. She came and did a workshop on how to can food, and had about thirty people there. And um, she this woman told us about how she goes out and she um, gets kind of the fruit that's right on the edge of going rotten right before it does, and so she, then she gets it for a discount so she can buy in bulk. And then, you know, she'll take 30 pounds of peaches and canned peaches and then have peaches for a whole year to eat with her ice cream all throughout the winter and so forth. So that is pretty easy to organize. Um, the, the woman on our team who's doing that is, has organized a whole series of those. So there's a... a solar and hay box cooking class going on this weekend. In August, there'll be a making solar batteries class. Um, I think this fall, there's going to be a Dutch oven cooking class. So it's just, you know, the bike repair is another thing that's come up um, that people want to know how to do. So that's that's one thing that people can do. Another thing that we're getting ready to do and we have not done yet, but it's on our, our to-do list, is to have a transition slam and that would be similar to a poetry slam where we're going to send out um, the word on the street to, you know, send us your best idea for what you're doing to transition. And then we'll have a team of people who will look at those ideas, select 12, and then we'll have an event where people get to come um, present their idea and they can do it in poetry or song or performance or a PowerPoint presentation or stand up and talk or however, you know, art, whatever they want to do. Um, so we think that's going to be kind of fun. Um, and I guess the other thing that we've done that's been very successful that I mentioned um, earlier was the, um, we did the meet and greet, the local food meet and greet, but that actually came out of a group that we called the Going Local Board Group. So it's people who are interested in being local, and that can be in food, but it can also be economically, too. And so that group has really generated a lot of ideas um, on where we're going to go from here to, to localize you know, economy, food systems, and so forth. Um, and that's a 
pretty easy, pretty easy thing, you know, just have a potluck and see who shows up. <laughs> Those are three ideas. And back to the potties. Yeah, back to the part. We do a lot of that. We've eaten more potluck in the last three years than I think I ever have in my life, and it's all great food. <laughs> There's also a, a wonderful idea just just to mention off of, of the potluck idea is potlucks with a purpose. It was instituted in Whidbey, Washington, and I see it all over the place now. And it's a, it's a theme for that evening's potluck, and uh, people come and talk about you know, local food or whatever that theme is for the night. So sort of a monthly potluck that they do, but each one has a has a topic or theme. That's and fantastic. It brings out brings people out. <laughs> That's great. Everyone will come out for some good food. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, guys, we've uh, we've hit our time limit now. I like to to run a pretty tight ship here and and finish on time. So, any additional comments, questions, thoughts? ideas, everything can go into the Google Doc, and we will edit this and make it all presentable and then distribute it to everyone on the call today. Uh, this call will also be available as a podcast, so you'll be able to download it and listen to my rambling voice uh, whenever you like. Uh, so I would like to thank everyone for joining us today, in particular Carolyn and Shauna um, and We'll use this time to say good afternoon, and uh, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.